0: Sorry, John, we got to start off on a sour note. Um, I mean, there was no yeah, way we were going to uh, get out of talking about this. Yeah, we're, uh, we're literally recording this hours after the um, reported uh, tragic death of Kobe Bryant and eight others, um, including um, his teenage daughter in a mm-hmm. helicopter crash. And and as a current resident in L.A., I can tell you that the whole city is in a state of, like, shock and, and, and lying in state at this moment. Because, yeah, I mean, obviously he was a hero. He made his name here, and... The other thing people saying not only is it uh, incredibly tragically young, but um, also he had so many ambitions and aspirations. Like after his basketball career, like um, I, f- I forgot he was an Oscar winner. Yeah. Um, for a short film he did a few years ago, and and obviously the the other news spilling out that um his daughter and then another teenage girl were involved in this crash. It's just an unqualified tragedy. And uh, their coach as well, the coach. that's yeah. Part of their mm-hmm. youth team. Like yeah, it's just it's a horrible mess. It's absolutely tragic, and I guess. The thing that surprised me the most is just kind of the outreach that Kobe Bryant had. Like, I didn't know that he was like this beloved outside of the basketball um, arena, but apparently, yeah, mm-hmm. he is. He's touched pop culture in so many ways. Yeah, it, part of that's like coming, uh, kind of um, making a name for himself in LA. Like, he was part of the city, like, and I'm not just including like bringing five championships here, which obviously makes you. I wouldn't make you a legend in any city, but yeah, it, it particularly hurts Los Angeles. It's, it's hitting the city hard, so, uh, yeah, it's just, that we just want to offer condolences to the Bryant family, and yeah, everybody yeah. else affected by this, just, again, unqualified tragedy. It's, it's awful. Mm-hmm. So, what, yeah, what, what way can we transition into something, yeah, something yeah. more lighthearted? Hey, let's just talk about the movies. <laughs> yes, the movies. Um, well, it's funny, also, yeah. like, the Grammy Awards were happening tonight, and, um, Again, like that, we we talk about like who cares about the Oscars? Really deep down, it's like the Grammys. I feel like it was even more of a joke. So, um, I well, I I can tell you one person who really made it. uh I know last year they they made the the Academy Awards with this uh, with this gown, but um, one Billy mm-hmm. Porter. Oh uh, yes, really did himself Porter. with the 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 suit this year, just uh, bringing some light into this world via. Um, a hat with an automatic curtain kind of attached to it it had it had the beaded curtain over his face and there's a little motor that opens up re- revealing his visage so can billy porter do no uh, so that, wrong is that there any a, yeah, is a, there any award show that billy porter doesn't belong in like let me ask you like, uh he should probably be not he, he should I mean, yeah. be part of the red carpet at the heisman awards you know he should be like <laughs> he should be at every award show that's fair yeah I don't know. I know he's an actor. Does he sing too? Is it... Yes, he sings. I mean, he's okay. a he's, a, I, he's I, a he's a triple threat, Greg. He sings, he dances, he does it all. He's a Broadway legend at this. Okay. Point. I assume he's got started in Broadway. I probably. I, I, again, I didn't know until until Pose came out. I had no idea who he was. So. Uh, I mean, I right, wish I did. I wish I could say the same thing. But yeah, I had no idea who Billy Porter was before that. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. So it's probably fair that he belongs at the New York City Athletic Club and mm-hmm. handing out the Heisman Awards, so you're right about that one. <laughs> There's no award but, show he should not be invited to. Here's the thing about the Grammys. like Everybody complains about the uh, Academy Awards getting it wrong. Like Let's say 20 years ago, they handed it out to American Beauty. Like, mm-hmm. how, what a awful, awful choice that was. Mm-hmm. I feel like with the Grammys, it's even worse because it's an even smaller, more insular like even less diverse committee, basically handing out these awards, yeah. and w- with the transitory nature of music, like it, it's the likelihood of getting it wrong is even higher. So, mm. I mean, gosh, I'm sure I can't cite any examples off the top of my head, but how many like best new artists awards have been given <laughs> to have been passed over for the now legendary careers over somebody like I don't know Ricky Martin or? <laughs> I mean, the I think the but the other kind of weird thing is that with movies there's like very different tiers about what's getting celebrated it's like obviously the popular movies never get selected for academy awards whereas like with the grammys you kind of have to select popular music like that's what they're kind of there for it's, obviously, they give out Grammys for more esoteric stuff, but it's definitely the less kind of artful, or at least pretending to be artful, event that the Oscars is trying to be. The Oscars, it's like, we're celebrating movies, but also the art- artistry of movies. <laughs> Whereas the Grammys, is very much like, hey, remember all those hits you loved? Here's more of it. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. It just seems like, well, at least like they're advertising a show in which you will see performers perform. Mm -hmm. Like, the the draw of the Academy Awards is just see people you like um, getting a golden (laughs) statue and maybe giving a nice speech. That's about it. Well, I think think there's a bit more catharsis in that because these are actors, and so to see them have a genuine moment when they win and they're like, oh, I'm so grateful. It's like, oh, there is a human under there. That's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could say the same for... I don't know, who the, who's the Grammy winner? Alicia Keys? She came to mind. No, I was looking Billie um, Eilish, because Billie, Eilish just, Billie, Eilish, Billie yes, Eilish's yes, whole she thing won. is that she's like, hey, whatever, I'm a disaffected teen, like you, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, if she, I think she won for Song of the Year, so I can imagine her walking up and being like, whatever, and then like walking off stage, vaping. <laughs> These damn millennials. <laughs> These damn Gen Zers. That's what I meant I to say. Know. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, we're millennials, which is like, very, very soon we're going to be Gen Z, and then, I don't know, we're going to go back to that, what, who the hell, the lost generation, the next, uh, whatever generation comes after this, mm. in, in our climate catastrophe, but, uh, yeah, it's it's a problem, the youth, it's, always, it's a <laughs> perpetual problem, these youth are too narcissistic, they don't work hard, mm. they're entitled, uh, they're promiscuous, mm. they... Yeah, there's there's a lot wrong with them. Gosh, imagine a society run exclusively by young people. What a what a nightmare! I what know it would be terrible. It would be hedonistic. It would be a, a dystopia. One might say. One like exactly. Uh, maybe maybe very something similar to what we watched this week. Ooh, I know, John. Imagine no longer mm. because you <laughs> and I watched the '70s sci-fi classic Logan's Run.
1: Capricorn Fifteens. Born 2244, enter the carousel. This is the time of renewal. Strong, and you will be renewed. Identify, rise.
0: Logan's Run. <laughs> do, do, do. This is the theme song I'm making up for: it. Logan's yeah. Run. <laughs> I wanted to point out this is this movie's based on a book, mm-hmm. and it's part of a whole like '60s canon of of somebody possessing something. Mm-hmm. Logan's Run, Portnoy's Complaint, <laughs> uh, Ender's Game. And Ender, I know Ender's Game wasn't from the '60s, but. I don't know like maybe maybe publishers at the time is like what's gonna sell <laughs> I know we'll do, we'll do the, the hero and whatever quality they have or, or, or whatever they have to do exactly. throughout the pace of the story yeah <laughs> well it's kind of the See, same you thing get, you get the best of both worlds you get the character and the scenario exactly well it's kind of the same thing now where if you're trying to sell a young adult novel it's gotta be part of a series so it's like the chronicles you know it's always something the chronicles or the, 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 the saga or whatever because they need to know that you know yeah. there's more books coming baby keep them yeah, <laughs> keep that slop coming. That's yes. that's unfair. I'm sure some of them, those series are very very good. But um, yeah, th- uh, what tends to happen in adaptation though is that things get lost, but some things get gained. Specifically visuals, <laughs> which is never a bad thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So they're perpetually trying to remake Logan's Run. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for for over ten years it's been attached to Brian Singer, and needless to say, I don't think his career is um is taking. Can't imagine turns, uh... why they wouldn't. They couldn't make yeah, yeah. that work. <laughs> No, I can't imagine why either. But yeah, the, they desperately want to update the movie uh, for two reasons. One, it has some prescience in terms of dystopian fiction, like uh, like the Hunger Games series or Divergent. It's set in a, a future dystopia where a young person like has to like outrun this uh, unseen, hidden oppressive force. Mm-hmm. In the case of Logan's run, it's this uh, force that requires people to uh, perish at the age of 30, mm-hmm. uh, to keep things in balance Every new, so that uh, things don't get overpopulated. In the Again, original novel, the age is 21, but apparently they had a hard time finding actors that young, or there's other reasons why they, they yeah, changed know, it yeah. for the film. But yeah, I think 30 yeah. works a little bit better. Yeah, and so, th- you're right, um, so... So, part one of why they need to remake it is because or why they desperately want to remake mm-hmm. it uh, not just money <laughs> and name recognition but also um the fact that it's uh it's part of a popular trend right now in literature and, and young adult movies but also uh the visuals this uh, this movie is squarely 1976 <laughs> all the way baby and it's awesome <laughs> it's perfect <laughs> <laughs> like we yeah. we've done we've done a, a movie for uh previously for this podcast called The Day They're Sit Still. And what's genius about that is that it perfectly typifies what fifties sci fi was, just in terms of production mm-hmm. design, but also like pacing, editing, acting. Like it was the quintessential example that you needed to look to and if you were looking for the quintessential example of what 70 sci-fi looked in filmmaking look no further you've got logan's run yes (laughs) i'm sure there are others you need to visit but it's like if you only had if you only had two hours then logan's run is where i'd point you to yeah the the other so, well, the most obvious example for me was a year ago when *A Star Is Born* came out. We we watched all the the, uh, the original and the remakes mm-hmm. of that movie, and I had a soft spot for the version that came out the exact same year this did, 1976, <laughs> because of its kitschy um, time timeful charm. Yes. it's not timeless; it's timeful. Exactly. <laughs> very timeful of 1976. It's like a time capsule, as it were. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and so that's. That's unfortunately where my kind of appreciation for the movie ends, mm. because I think it has a lot of other hallmarks, as you said, of '50s sci-fi. It's very slow. Mm-hmm. I think it prioritizes a uh, uh, kind of visuals and production design over story and kind of and telling an emotional story and having the direction kind of play out that way. It it, it seems so clear that that the cameras placed like far away mm. and not a lot of close-ups because the idea is to see this sci-fi world they created, not to like really involve yourself in the characters inhabiting it, or get emotionally involved. in their Yeah, story. and it's also funny, like you said, they prioritize production design. It's like, oh, all that effort and for what? Like, there's no, yeah. <laughs> there's no <laughs> amount of of production design that they can throw over this mall wherever they filmed it and not have it look like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the Starline Express. <laughs> <get it>. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that problem, but also I found something very reactionary, conservative, and a little bit ugly underneath. Mm, yes. Um, well, you go ahead because I think the message of the movie is kind of ultimately muddled a little bit. I don't think it. it, it I think it more kind of goes for both sidesism. Um, but you go ahead and, I, with your. I point. completely disagree. Okay. Yeah, I completely disagree. <laughs> no, right. I think the movie is squarely in the camp of, gosh, what if a society was run by young people? Mm. Terrible. As you <laughs> said, they would be hedonistic. <laughs> they wouldn't care for the future. Uh, they. Gosh, we'd lose the family structure. Mm. We're gonna get to that later. Like how important the family structure is. Oh, it's just—it's a bacchanal. <laughs> also, this whole this whole society within Logan's Run. <laughs> yeah, but I think this this whole story, like a lot of science fiction stories, is is kind of like a, a warning towards progress. Mm. Don't progress too much. <laughs> yes. And I have that some primary text right here. Mm-hmm. Um, in my research, I came up with some language from the from the introduction of the the novel Logan's mm-hmm. Run. It reads. The seeds of the Little War, the Little War being the conflict that starts off this dystopian society, uh, were planted in a restless summer during the mid-1960s when sit-ins and student demonstrations <laughs> oh. as, as youth tested its strength. So yes, John, that's where the society started. The authors couldn't get a seat at their Jim Crow-era <laughs> restaurant. Okay, all right, fine. I can't yes, yes, I can't and, argue and, that. Yes, as long as the youth are asserting their political power, gosh, imagine the terrible future that this portends. Am I your first?
2: Yes. And I'm curious. About what? How a Sandman lives. Oh, it's a little different from most people, but I assure you we have the same feelings as everybody else. So uh, if you're feeling really curious, it's um. Not about that. What then? Why is it wrong to run? You shouldn't even be thinking such things, let alone talking about them. Look, you know what to do. You try like hell for renewal. Otherwise, when when this turns to black, that's it. But if for some strange reason you want to be 31, then, then you have the same chance as everyone else. Like your friend tonight. Carousel. But... If you're one of the misfits, that's where I come in.
0: I don't think that's ultimately, though, the message of the movie. I think the message of the movie seems a little more fair and even-handed because it's not so much the fact that it's like a society run by young people. It's a society that's kind of run by automation. It's like oh we have this system That's true. you know once you turn 30 you get returned back to the energy and then you're born again and it's very cold it's very distant and it's more instead of like oh it's run by this committee of young people it's more like it's run by a committee committee it's run by computers like they always consult the computers yeah. for whatever decision they want to make it's real i think kind of the resonance that this movie kind of has for today's or why it's right for remakes is because it is a society run by algorithms, which our society feels like it mm-hmm. is increasingly as well. Yeah. At the expense of mm-hmm. human life. Or at least, you know, that the kind of the noise of life is lost because mm-hmm. like, I mean, but also like, society's pretty fucking cool. Like, you know, you get to go to the orgy club <laughs> every night if you so choose. You can You can have whatever your sexual preferences materialize in front of you. <laughs> like... There's really exactly I mean, yeah. yes, it's cold, but there's not a lot of downsides <laughs> yeah, so let's 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 get into the this world a little bit. Uh, we're introduced to our hero uh Logan played by the inimitable, the venerable michael mm-hmm. York I mean no, no, no few men are as handsome <laughs> <laughs> and gotta, I mean look, inhabit, inhabit a, a skinny of uh, uh Samity's costume yes as well. i mean <laughs> for philistines of our ilk obviously you'll recognize him as basil exposition from the austin powers series but here it's mm-hmm. just oh he's in his prime baby oh that bod <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell yeah. you you get to see plenty <laughs> of it in this movie <laughs> yeah so he and his uh cohort francis are uh what they're described as sandmen or sandman that basically society's color-coded you can be either red or green or yellow, what have you. They're dressed in black, though, because they enforce this yes. rule that uh, you you basically have to perish at, at age 30, and so that's hence the moniker Sandman. And they're band. always on the lookout for and runners, who are the people who decide, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if I want to participate in carousels, so... Yes carousel being this this process of of renewal in which uh people once they turn thirty, the little gem on their hand turns red and then they basically give up their lives um with the promise of renewing in some other like afterlife. and this process is they get pretty well done for nineteen seventy six they they float off in this like kind of round amphitheater yeah. um and then get struck by lightning it's the, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's the most technical technical achievement of the picture this the what actual carousel takes yeah. place. But, like you said, there's a certain limit to the production design, and <laughs> you're right, like carousel, <laughs> though visually quite interesting. it's a little hard to tell what is actually happening. <laughs> like yeah, that's the thing like you have to this is the problem with kind of trying to conceive of your own world. like it has to have some connection to the day. and I can't imagine anybody being compelled <laughs> by this sort of by this sort of performance, like seeing people like the, like they say like society is getting less. Like uh, spiritual and religious, like they're not attending these kind of ceremonies anymore. It, when clearly it's like what what this whole society centers around. So I I didn't quite buy that. Uh, the, the other thing I didn't quite buy is uh, we do see uh, Logan and Francis like uh, conduct conduct their work. Uh, there is a runner and they and they report off for duty. And then I realize that they're terrible shots. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- <laughs> this is where like the fifties charm comes in because they like like point their guns and there's no like laser effect. Instead, there's like a small little explosion. It's a sparkler. The, they have the, these uh, these preset yeah. sparklers, and so wherever they're supposed to end up shooting, like the sparkler is supposed to go off. And yes, the the yeah. idea is that they're supposed to be terrible shots, uh, but also like they're terrible shots on purpose because that's where the, the limit of the special effects is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's also like they have this, weird, yeah, so the, the guns eight. have these weird like muzzle flashes as well. I don't quite understand what like was going on with those guns because obviously they like kind of like shoot this weird green fire as well. But I mean, I, like you said, yeah, that's part so... of the charm. That's part of the fun is the fact that it's so dated and kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and again, I want to point out the direction because this could be like a compelling chase, right? Like we could do quick cuts, we can move the camera, but it's so focused on its production design. It's so wide and it has to show you this mall that they basically (laughs) dressed up with escalators. (laughs) And so, like it's clear that whatever, whatever we're gonna, sh- whatever we're gonna show, whether it's an action sequence or a love scene or, or whatever, like that's gonna be the focus of our mm. attention. So that's what's kind of like infuriating about it. Um, but we do see that these guys are a little callous, like you said. Like they are missing, but within the context of the story, they're kind of toying with their prey. Yes, they're very, they're very much like yeah. kind of classic buddy set setup it's like oh, we got another runner like they know that they're eventually going to catch him so they just kind of like and yeah. they're very laxataisical and why wouldn't they be like they live in a freaking paradise like who cares <laughs> this is the only yes. crime they have to contend <laughs> so with fo- so obviously they ha- they're always in a good mood <laughs> yeah so following that after a long day uh, at work and and you know haven't haven't a good time with your buddies at carousel. Um, Michael York settles in uh, for a nice evening, and uh, you know, like like any you know, red blooded uh, <laughs> male, <laughs> wants to just have a good time. So he calls upon uh, young Jessica Six, mm-hmm. who, yeah, this this they don't clearly ex- explore, but basically the the idea is that he's ordering a prostitute. Yes. Um, but because this is an enlightened society, uh, she uh, she needs to win her consent, and she doesn't consent. Mm-hmm. She's not She's not down for this, so... Well, also, it's um, a progressive movie because probably... we see a male prostitute comes up first, and it's not that he's, like, totally, ah. you know, like, not uh, as opposed to the idea, but he's just like, eh, I'm not in the mood tonight, so... <laughs> exactly that's that's the most horrific thing in the movie Um, somebody somebody got melted earlier (laughs) the the, their target earlier the runner uh, got melted earlier but the most horrific thing is a man even considering you know uh carnal relations with a a member of the same gender no thank you well no i mean it's probably assumed that people would participate that like in that kind of stuff in the society but not our hero no he's he's straight as hell no no exactly an arrow but this this starts a, a a a budding romance because they do uh, kind of conflict and she's wearing something that signals that there's this resistance inside society um people living outside of this domed city and he's tasked with basically finding it this sanctuary mm-hmm. and this is the other thing too i, I wonder if the book's not, not like it's not as if he can find he he finds this he's not set on this journey himself it's he's forced into it by the mm-hmm. computer because uh, the computer basically th- just fast forwards his life cycle, like he says he has four years left, but um, it, it signals the little red uh, jewel inside his hand. And so I was wondering what you fo- how you felt about that from a story perspective, like instead of, I feel like as, as other modern kind of dystopian stories play out, it's always like the, the hero has the agency, like Katniss Everdeen volunteers to join the Hunger Games, or you know, the divergent uh girl whatever her name well, is i know like she n- n- yes and no it's like they have to be kind of forced into a situation especially if we're not supposed to be rooting for them initially like uh i'm trying to think of a, a con- more contemporary example which would probably be like suicide squad initially they're forced into it because they That's true. you know they're threatened with death if they don't participate but by the end mm-hmm. of it you know that threat is gone and they still make the choice at the end so i think what they're setting up here is a very similar example where it's like he's forced into participating into this run but then as he as he goes along he realizes that he needs to be part of the resistance that he needs to resist this kind of larger society and why wouldn't he they've been <laughs> they've kind of ruined his life yeah <laughs> like that's the other thing it gives the character proper motivation to be like hey this society kind of fucked me over this is kind of unfair isn't it hmm yeah, maybe it was just a matter of preference. Like, I, I wish it was more motivated out of, say, a romance for Jessica. Mm. Um, rather than kind of... But I guess thematically, you're right. If they do want to tell the story of a dystopian society in which you're controlled by a, a computer that doesn't value human life, then or prioritizes efficiency over human life, then, yeah, I, I can understand mm. that. And But, John, let me tell you about that romance between... Logan and Jessica, because their chemistry oh. woof, just flies off the oh, screen. Oh, man, I've just I had a raging white-hot boner the whole time. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was going to... I don't want to... Listen, acting's hard, <laughs> and I don't want to besmirch actors too much. But Jenny at Gutter, I'm sure she's great in other things. She's terrible in this mm. role. Um, and so like having to see like them them acts in like really flat two shots, like you you have to help me and she's like, No (laughs) Like it's it is like as corny as fifty science B movies, uh with just the 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 kitschy vomit (laughs) of seventies production design all over. (laughs) Like we, can, we probably can't stress that enough. A co-credit for the production design was cocaine. <laughs> we should probably just. My favorite part about the whole production design is that there's this gigantic disco ball mirror mirror surface version of like the hand with the gem in it in the middle of the big mall, yeah. like where the where the fountain should yes. be. That was my favorite part of the whole production design because <laughs> it looks terrible, but that's part of the fun. Like yes. they tried their best. Like they had a they had a vision and they went at it with gusto. And oh boy it didn't really work out for them but they tried and that's what's important yeah it's important yeah. to have vision yeah if we're just going to talk about our favorite pieces of production mm-hmm. design my favorites when they do break out of the stone city they wind up in an ice mm, cave yes and oh, then they and that's right the I, i'll robots. agree everybody's <laughs> yes everybody's favorite character box the robot <laughs> voiced by roscoe lee brown an inspiration for darth vader <laughs> i hear like they they knew they wanted like a a, a serious deep sonorous voice um coming from a black man to like voice uh darth vader and so they they found a a, a progenitor of that in roscoe lee brown's performance as mm. box a very jovial kind of rolling robot he's got a, a big giant skirt he's got on. he's got a chrome face uh, uh, so obviously it was a huge inspiration yeah. to, like gi joe and all those villains so yep his jaw is like hang like it barely hinged <laughs> on his mouth as he talks it's very clear from the costume in if he ever in this tipped over th- he would not be able to get up again <laughs> no yeah
1: I am ready for you. Fish, plankton, sea greens, and protein from the sea. Fresh as harvest day. Overwhelming, am I not? Are you too startled? Am I too removed from your ken? What? Who are you? I'm more than machine or man more than a fusion of the two, don't you agree? Wait for the winds, then my birds sing, and the deep grottos whisper my name. Boggs, Boggs, Boggs.
2: This place is a link to Sanctuary, isn't
1: it? Link? Hmm.
2: How do you think we got here?
1: Same as the others.
0: Don't you remember?
1: Why do you think we're here? Why?
0: Why? But it's definitely like the, the wildest thing that happened in yes. the story. Because otherwise it's it's pretty pedestrian and predictable. Like you see like how they transition well, no, I from, think I, I think you're uh, not giving a, the movie enough credit because what happens is they end up in this like ice cave thinking that they finally reach sanctuary and it turns out it's another level of kind of automated control there's this robot who's taking every single person who ends up there and then freezes them so instead of dying instead what they are is they're putting into like cryogenic hibernation so that it can be thawed out at some other like time and again it's just another cycle that they get stuck in so then logan has to destroy that and oh boy does he destroy it with gusto because that whole that (laughs) also that is also a lot of fun watching that whole cave collapse um but once they kind of get outside that's kind of when the movie it's funny. It's when the movie comes alive visually because they actually start shooting outdoors. But also, like yes. when the movie is probably at its most boring because it kind of loses all track of like uh, action beats and stuff like that. Like we lose any any moment of stakes because we no longer have the surgery. Robot lasers go run amuck and kill people. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it also becomes like it, it, yeah, it becomes it, visually the most interesting part of the movie because they're actually in sunlight. But also like story wise, the most boring part of the movie because they have nothing to do but you know. Explore or dilapidated Washington D.C. and be like oh what? Like, yeah. look at that and face is that what happens to faces yeah. when they get old <laughs> yeah they basically wind up in Malibu Creek State Park uh, next to the set of uh, M.A.S.H. where they shot M.A.S.H. is <laughs> really where way they wind up and you're right it, well it's part of it's not a little bit boring because yeah they don't encounter any other characters for a long mm-hmm. time for one thing and then it barely becomes a survival story like because, and traditionally what happens in a survival story is like you, you encounter really harsh elements or wildlife yeah. or something something along those lines. That doesn't really happen. And instead they just kind of like wander through this dry Yeah, and it's also supposed to be and put into in stark relief like what they're giving up by leaving the society. Mm-hmm. Like the whole contrast is supposed to be like, oh, yes, like we lived in the society where all our needs were pampered for, but it was like cold and sad. But now we're like out in the wild and you know it's harsh and scary, and we could die. like that should have been more of the contrast there. <laughs> and they don't even have sex yet. <laughs> I mean that's that's also the kind of the main idea. like even when you have an opportunity because again, initially in this society, like lovemaking is like transactional, like here they they skinny dip in like a quarry, but they don't actually like consummate that. so it's like it's like all these like half measures or something or like not really like going for like a hundred percent of the story. Mm-hmm. In a way, that's that's what annoyed me about the scene, and why and why it comes across as boring. Um, maybe I just wanted more pornography. <laughs> well, and it's funny that we ended up picking this movie because they end up running into an old man. Um, I wish they kind of defined like what yep. his age was supposed to be, because I think it would have been you know nice to be like, oh, he's ancient, he's sixty-two, but um, yeah, <laughs> he's. I wish he was also given a little bit more characterization than, as he's credited, the old yes. man. <laughs> <laughs> he's meant to be... The only kind of things we know about him is he's kind of going senile. Um, obviously, he's, his yeah. brain is uh leaving him not just because of his age but also probably because of his isolation. He's basically become like an old cat hermit. And it's ironic. Yeah. Well, hermit, no, John. It's no, it's very important where he lives and where he makes his sanctuary. Oh, that's right. Where is it? The Halls of Congress. Oh. Yes, that that August institution where the average age of our lawmakers is about 75. <laughs> <laughs> they're the real heroes. They're the ones right. who know. Yes. And obviously and obviously things are going great in our society. So, <laughs> they're the ones who know better. Um uh, <laughs> Yeah, but it's also, again, like what we talked about with like, oh, how prescient this movie is. What does he end up quoting from T.S. Eliot? His poems about cats. Yeah. His poems about Jellicoe cats. <laughs> and this is before hey, he's surrounded like by... the musical was even a twinkle in uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's eyes. Like this movie knew. Yeah. This movie knew. It's like, how avant-garde can we make it? Can we bring T.S. Eliot into it? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Well, they knew he had to basically be single, but also like again value life, and so he's a caretaker mm-hmm. of all these cats too. So again, it makes sense from a story perspective, but you're right. Like I, I wish I wish they'd done more with it because the character is a bit of a coot. Mm-hmm. He like mumbles all the time, and again, he's not even given a name. He's just the old man. Yeah, and so like again, I understand it's trying to be allegorical, but they they went with such a very particular vision uh, for an old man mm-hmm. again th- the fact that he makes his home in the halls of congress and that uh he's he's like a charming southern boy like a or like straight out of appalachia instead of like say another kind of old man mm. like huh why why is that why why did they make those specific choices i wonder john <laughs> yes that that old southern wisdom yeah <laughs> those people knew all the southern white <laughs> yeah th- that old southern white wisdom um, <laughs> Because that's, I I think, what other missed opportunity, too, we should say that there is not a character, as far as I can tell, there's not a character of color in this entire movie. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Which you can say, like, from a story perspective, maybe they wanted to show how monotonous this dystopian society is. Mm -hmm. But again, it feels like a real missed opportunity, especially if the authors were really afraid of (laughs) of a sit-in and not being able to eat at their um, segregated restaurant. Exactly. (laughs) And imagine how boring those sex clubs really are with not a single African-American there. Like, come on. Yeah. You did remind me of something. I do want to give the movie credit for one element of the chase where they do go through the sex store, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) which is basically, which is basically a brothel. Yes. But the one thing that's cool about it is like, it goes completely into slow motion. Mm -hmm. Like somehow like in this future society, they're, 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 they're able to bend time or change your perception somehow. And it's a, and it's a great little twist in the chase and it's, Finally, like, the direction is changing. <laughs> like, it's not just wide shots of our incredible uh, drug-influenced uh, uh, production design. I it's mean said like the, the directions and services story. I always and, a assumed, and creates a compelling twist. Yeah, so. I always assumed that the, the slow motion was so that they could maybe linger on the bodies a little bit longer. <laughs> or there that's was fair. also probably they had to like that was probably the scene that required the most editing in order to get like a proper rating that they wanted. So that's probably yeah. also why they had to like manipulate the speed of the frames or yeah. whatever. <laughs> I mean that was my favorite part of the movie. I don't know about you, but <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> fair enough again equitable in terms of uh, uh, women to men in terms of that sex club so everybody gets a little bit of everything exactly don't go in there you don't have to
1: die well no one has to die at 30 you can live 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 and grow old I've seen it she's seen it well look look Look, it's clear! Last day. Capricorn 29s. Year of the City, 2274.
2: Carousel begins. No!
0: Up, I guess you're right. This is a very tepid recommendation for me. Like, you, it's really getting a buy on like camp value, unfortunately. Yes. Which I always I hate to kind of rate a movie on. I wish I could kind of give it a more fair comparison. But there's so many movies out there that sometimes you just have to admit that sometimes a movie is is worthwhile just based on what they don't do well. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think that's definitely the case with this movie, unfortunately. Although yeah, I'd... it's still a lot of fun, and I do think that the story, even though the roots at which you were explaining. Um, are obviously a bit, uh, let's say, conservative. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the movie t- pairs it, uh, uh, takes it in a little more even-handed, even-keeled direction. Because ultimately what they end up doing is kind of realizing, like, we need to go back and, uh, you know, share our share what we've learned and, you know, see if we can actually change society. Maybe not, like, overthrow it, but at least, like, open people's eyes to the rest of the world. Uh, yeah, we, we didn't even explain that they do rush back to basically reveal that there is a... a bucolic beautiful uh, beautiful outside world and so they basically try to um interrupt a, a carousel ceremony and uh this causes basically everything to explode <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> well no it's like the, he reports back and he doesn't he refuses to say anything so the computer kind of like tries to mind read him and so once he, they realize that there is no real sanctuary the computer just kind of backfires and just starts blowing everything up yeah. <laughs> yeah which i was totally there for i was like sure why not this absolutely is awesome. this is yeah. great. <laughs> yeah they do all these wonderful special effects with miniatures like and what are you gonna do like you oh know put them so in a museum cute. or yeah. something no you gotta destroy them <laughs> yeah and those those miniatures are so cute they're so adorable <laughs> oh oh yeah it's very adorable um uh, that said, I, c- I can't agree with your recommendation. No. Um, as much as I like a uh, kitschy 70 value, or at least um, admired it in A Star is Born, I can't abide by the slow pacing, the uh, focus on production design and world building versus actual story and character, and then also the little pernicious, like reactionary, conservative like <laughs> uh, philosophy hiding underneath this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so wait for the remake is my ultimate recommendation. <laughs> uh if it ever comes which it probably won't but no <laughs> you're just a no funkin greg what are you talking about not not a no I funkin i mean we've heard you I'd... deride 70s cinema for so long you're like 70s <laughs> waste waste of a decade no good films came out in the 70s <laughs> no that was the 80s john oh okay yeah with the exception of No, Robo-Con, I say that I say that about the 80s. The one thing I'm not with all these other cinephiles who are like, "Oh, why can't things be like the the uh, the 70s ever again where it was all like tough urban dramas and <laughs> uh, you know, they gave rise to a new generation of filmmakers." And I'm like, "Yeah, who doesn't want to see another uh, King Kong remake there or uh, those terrible or uh, 70s B movies?" Or anything yeah, or, or done or by yeah. Dino Laurentiis. Like oh, we need more yeah. personalities like Dino Laurentiis. That's that's yeah. what's missing. We need like big seventies style producers who were like, ah, I'll tell you what the big picture is. <laughs> like uh, Robert Evans. There you go. That's what's missing exactly. from today's society. Like instead we got yeah. Kevin Feige, ugh, wet blanket. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Uh, it, doesn't the, it doesn't fit the aesthetic that we were going for. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the aesthetic we were going for. Grey on grey on grey. <laughs> They're getting more colorful. Come on. They started yeah, shooting on those red cameras, I guess. That's what I heard they started doing. Well, th- d- all right. That that annoys me. Okay. I, don't want to, I don't want to go on a rant, folks, but here we go. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah, I yes. got Greg started. <laughs> I know. Yes, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has a house style, but somebody noticed, like, well, what connects all these things uh, cinematography-wise? What connects all these movies? And it turns out to being the Ari Alexa camera. And now, Ari makes some incredible cameras, and you could do a whole lot with them. Uh, just because you're using all the same tool doesn't mean it's all going to look the same. Mm. Like te- technically, 1917, the movie was shot on an Ari Alexa. <laughs> like that movie oh, looks okay. completely different than any. Like it, it depends on who's using it and, yeah. and what. Well, also all the uh, color grading you do in post and stuff like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it depends on what freedoms and limitations you do. You could do anything with an Ari Alexa. Like what they choose to do with it in terms of having like. I don't know, having it all take place in airports and <laughs> and uh, and conference rooms and 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 penthouses, like mm. you know, that that one you got to give to the probably probably production design. I, again, we're gonna give it to Logan Run for at least trying something out there. Um. And so, like, clearly the Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't take those risks or, you know, aren't blowing fat rails of cocaine um, <laughs> first thing in the morning. <laughs> That's what will save Hollywood. We need to give Kevin Feige all the cocaine. <laughs> That'll <Yeah>. solve everything. <laughs> yeah. I do love... Uh, one other thing I'll commend Logan's run for, uh, the first name after the credits. You know, sometimes you do do some... You, you want to give... Uh, you want to shine a spotlight on, on one particular uh, uh, person behind the scenes. mm mm-hmm. uh, in Citizen Kane they did it uh, the first name to come up is cinematography by Greg Toland cuz he did so much uh, his his you know groundbreaking photography in that movie you know lent so much to it and so what's the first credit that comes in, in Logan Run costume design yeah, Bill Thomas baby. yeah <laughs> I mean did you see that robe Michael Rourke got to wear I know he says he still has it to this day and I don't blame him and yeah because probably every woman he encounters just says you're beautiful let's have sex (laughs) just chef's kiss perfect line delivery perfect he's a professional yeah a legend yes well Greg you already kind of mentioned spotlights earlier I think we should give him even more spotlights what do you say Let's do it. I don't want to be irresponsible, John. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we've given the people already too much. How much more can they handle? I, you know it. You're right. Like, Honestly, they're approaching 30, and it's it's too much for them. I think it's time that we exactly. send them off to Carousel. Yeah. <laughs> it's a miracle no, John, that we haven't been sent off to Carousel at this point. <laughs> yeah. No, John, this is a free society, and we will sell them as many spotlights as we'd like. So, John, let's do it properly. Spotlight... Spotlight. Spotlight! 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 Spotlight!
1: It's time, Robbie! It's time!
0: Spotlight! I feel like we haven't screamed it in a few in a few weeks. You're so. right. Well, I mean, again, we're trying to. We're getting older. We're we're, we're kind of mellowed out. Like, oh, these young people—they're so loud. They're so boisterous with all their sex and drugs. Yeah. Does being does being mellow and cool have anything to do with your spotlight? Because it doesn't for me. I'm Um, I'm nervous. Kind of. Uh, It's 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 about aging and it's about the next generation. Because I finally got a chance to catch up with Mike Birbiglia's new stand up special, the new one. Okay, Uh, I'll I'll, I'm. As big a Mike Buriglia fan I th- as I think you are, mm-hmm. um, however, I saw the show was about fatherhood, and I rolled my eyes like, Ugh. <laughs> "You mean the same thing that millions of of people around the world go through every day?" And you're like, <laughs> "What a million comedians have already talked about, a million <laughs> <Yeah. different> ways." <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, but that's the key difference, Greg. Is that you know Mike Berbiglia has his trademark style, which um, your mileage may vary. Because I think the pro- my my problem is I'm like too much of a comedi- a comedy fan, because there's just certain comedians that I love like Jim Gaffigan, Mike Birbiglia, Bill Burr. And it's like, I devour every special that they come out with. And ideally they come out with a new special a year, a year and a half. That's typically the cycle. I think it was Louis CK who started that. God willing, we should probably stop that, but (laughs) (laughs) God willing, we should not be living by Louis CK standards, but Mm, heck no, no. (laughs) Um, I think kind of the problem is like with, watching this, and again, this is just a problem personally for me, it's like, I'm familiar with uh, Mike Birbiglia's stand-up, and I'm also familiar with all the beats that his shows hit, because his shows are, you know, they're a combination of stand-up special, but also a one-man show, and so he's Mm -hmm. taking you through an arc, he's taking you through acts, and there's certain... There's story times, there's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's riffs, there's bits, yeah, but there's also like... And Production design, the way he moves around, it's very, all very intentionally. Yeah. Exactly, it's extremely intentional. And granted, he still makes time for crowd work. He still makes time for those kind of improvi- uh, improvised moments. Like for example, like very early on, he notices that there's eleven years old, eleven year olds in the audience, and obviously he has yeah. to call that out. That this is not a show that is appropriate for kids. <laughs> and then okay. also, you know, as he's talking about his distaste for wanting kids, and like why he thinks like kids are just kind of a burden and a waste on the, on the on the future he like kind of points to the girls in the audience <laughs> but nice. of course in you know his, his trademark fashion it's very affable it's very fun like for example whenever he does kind of say something that is too dark or a joke that is a little too blue you know he uh, does his classic i know like that kind of quiet <laughs> under his yeah. breath like mouth like mouthing like it's okay i realize that this is a terrible thing to say <laughs> But like, you know it's very sweet it's very poignant it's just kind of like expectedly poignant i guess would be my only concern with it i'm oh, like no <laughs> uh, john i've heard on good authority mm-hmm. um that when you become a father it changes everything <laughs> Well, that is kind of, yeah, that is the main through line of the show, is that the first half is all about him and his pregnant wife, and all the preparations they made, and uh, his wife, Jen, reassuring him, things won't change after the baby comes, and then the second half is all about (laughs) how all of life changed once the baby came. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay. I think I would appreciate it more if it was, like, a parody of that kind of stuff, like, like, I know that's what helped uh louis ck in, in the mid-2000s like his popularity rocket off was when he could call like a kid a, an a-hole mm-hmm. like i want like the the comedy of like meeting a parent pretty easy yes. Like they just sleep like the first six weeks <laughs> it's pretty great um, <laughs> they don't move like yeah. easy <laughs> there is a like a stand-up comedian i like named uh, adam pally and he kind of he, yeah. he found a way to do that he's like guys every parent knows there's always that moment where you want to take your child and fling him out the damn window. Like, because <laughs> it's just so much. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, the new one, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the other kind of reason why I was kind of resident to watch it is because it's very Broadway. Um, <laughs> like, right. you can tell, like, production design wise, it's very much like a Broadway show. And again, by design. So, but it's obviously very good. Like, Mike Wrigley is extremely talented. So, check it out. And you'll mm-hmm. have a you'll have a great time. And also, the reason why I wanted to bring it up is because uh, we just hit the fifteen year mark for the time he accidentally threw himself out of a La Quinta Inn while sleepwalking. Ah, so yes, yeah. On the day of recording, that's the... The, to date this specifically that it's the fifteen year anniversary that that happened to him. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, yeah, it became the inspiration for a I know this American life story and a good movie called Sleepwalk with Me. So yeah, that Mike Verbiglia guy. He's quite talented. Yeah, he's going places. Let me tell you. You should put this kid in the picture. Let me tell you. Yeah, <laughs> put him with a giant animatronic monkey. This will be <laughs> will make Buffalo box office. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you found something nice and pleasant, uh, to to watch. I found something incredibly nerve wracking. Okay. And ter- awful and terrible, and in the most unlikely, likeliest of places, Disney Plus. Oh no. They have <laughs> yeah, they have a new documentary series. Um, about guide dogs called Pick the Litter. So basically mm. this is a, I don't want to call it a reality show, but it's basically a six-part documentary uh, following the process for when a guide dog gets raised all the way till when they get basically hired and assigned um, a, a blind person to guide Okay. Uh, through their life. Now, yes. I already recommended Togo, which is a uh, Disney Plus exclusive. How many dog-related the runt of litter puppy movies and TV shows are they going to make for this whole series? Is that the whole point I, oh, of this streaming John, service? No. <laughs> yeah, John, based, based on the amount of content on the internet, it's an unlimited resource. It's oh, just, okay. Yeah, it's never going to run dry. I mean, come on. it's It's dogs. And I do wish it was just like them being cute puppies running around. But, John, we're talking about guiding like blind people here this is very serious and mm. like a, a severe like risk so it is nerve-wracking <laughs> the amount that they have to go to and the the possibilities that they have to fail so mm. first we're introduced with so it, it's it's almost like like it's it's basically this whole process is designed to be heart-rending and this is why i, I could barely make it through all like six half-hour long episodes um we start by the families. There are these families that actually have to raise these dogs, mostly golden retrievers, um, from day one to be guide dogs. So that means like keeping them on a the diet, keeping them focused, and then after a year, they give them up. Okay. And yeah, to uh, to this academy that basically focuses. Solely I mean, it's only on a die. year. I mean, how only, close you, they Come can on, be. John. <laughs> Come I on, have to it's... be the curmudgeon in this scenario, okay? <laughs> I have to be devil's advocate. I, yeah, go ahead. Look at look at the face of Tulane, the gold, the golden, uh, <laughs> the lab, the yellow Labrador Retriever. retriever <laughs> and tell me, like you know, like <laughs> that she, that you know the, the this process isn't just oh, it's only a year. Come on, like again, this is heartbreaking. This whole process, and then. The the requirements are so high. They have to be completely distraction free. They cannot fail throughout all these tests. And of course, like the the trainers themselves, who actually uh, who actually do like um, lead them, instruct the dogs to actually become guide dogs. They feel this incredible pressure as well, because again, it's people's safety on the line here. It's people's like livelihoods. So it it's completely stressful for that. Tr- uh, standpoint, and then overhanging all of this is the fact that if any of these dogs do fail or anything comes up where they can't become guide dogs, they get career changed. Okay. Um, yes. Now, granted, that just means they 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 enjoy probably a happy, healthy life um, in a nice home. Um, yeah, Greg. It's that's not like gonna... they get sent to the glue factory. Like, what do you <laughs> want? I, <to> <laughs> it, it might as well be the way. How serious this is. All right. <laughs> Greg, it's a reality TV show. Okay, they're they're obviously drumming up the drama a little bit. Well, yeah, I when I say it's a reality show I, I do I don't want to like uh, uh diminish it with that title. <laughs> like it is a very well-done documentary. Like I do like the shooting style. We got this roving camera that's basically at at dog at at, at, dog, at a dog's eye level. Mm-hmm. Um it's wide angle. It's, it's it's like very smooth in terms of like everything takes place in northern California in the most like beautiful beautiful suburbs you can imagine. So <laughs> it's it's all like pleasant from that point and of course the dogs are all like wonderful we we follow six of them and 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 all their travails like when they do like there's one like star pupil that you could see is just gonna like oh yeah this this one's fine she's gonna be like an amazing guy dog mm. whoever whoever winds up with her and um but the rest like you kind of they kind of have these obstacles like one has to go to a special master trainer and the other one might get again like scary career changed um <laughs> even though it's bum, not that bum, scary bum. It's like exactly <laughs> Because they want her like more as a as a breeding dog to hopefully, you know, give life to, to dogs that would even be even better suited for, for guide uh for guiding the blind. So again, like a, a hugely pleasant, uh wonderful show explaining this like wonderful service that this uh organization does and, and looking at, you know, cute six cute, adorable puppers. <laughs> um but again I found it completely <laughs> nerve wracking and emotionally wrenching uh seeing this okay. whole process through fruition. Um that said you should probably still check it out especially if you love them doggos. All right. I mean, I can't say no to doggos. Absolutely true. Can't. That, can't even. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, doesn't doesn't Disney already have enough of our money? Like are this we is fair? <laughs> I I think I, I think of it. As, and this as is the second week in like, a row you've recommended something from Disney Plus. It's like, come on. <laughs> not second week in a row, twice in 3 weeks. All right, get your facts straight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Greg. I mean, yeah. the world is garbage fire, but you know what makes the garbage fire better slash worse, depending on your vantage point? It's got to be social media. I don't, I don't like this perspective. You, you seem to keep saying that things, things are moving too fast, or you're, you're getting deluged with information. Yes, like, yes. I feel like, I feel like you can, you can slow down a little bit, John. No, no, no. I can't. No. Not, <laughs> not with the world of social media, Greg, where it's like ten I years can. pass in a second. It's I, like, like I said, I it's like you know, like Kobe Bryant, he dies, and like you know, the hot takes are already coming. Like, well, he was accused of sexual assaults. Let's not forget. You know, it's like, I, oh, you yeah. know, like so we should not mourn him. Like, come on, what, 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 what is yeah, happening Well, here? exactly, John. Exactly, John. 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 This is why I want you to focus on one feed in particular. Okay. All right, where you're not going to get, again, you're not going to feel overwhelmed by the amount of information or how fast it comes at okay. you. Okay. All right. I'm going to have all one right, follower will... from now on. Who is the one? What's the one? branch that i follow well of course it's us aspiring snobs that's a genius idea yes where we just give you pleasant information uh we're on facebook twitter instagram just follow our one feed and all you get is probably one post a week saying like (laughs) hey this movie's good (laughs) or a delightful retweet you never know yeah yeah exactly so it, again, you won't feel overwhelmed. You won't feel this negativity. I just feel this negativity radi- radiating off you, mm-hmm. and I and I want to attack it like antibodies. Um, <laughs> if I can mix any more uh, metaphors here. <laughs> um. <laughs> So go ahead, give us a, give us a follow there, or if you just want uh, to reach out, if you just want to make a human connection, probably because there are humans behind this podcast as well. Indeed, as we don't sound that way. Uh, you can reach <laughs> what out. What do to you us. mean? You think we sound like robots? <laughs> I I feel like we can. I feel like people don't like how 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 callous and cynical I could be about their beloved films. Oh, but okay. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. And yep. also, we do use the same voice code, so it could be Texas speech for all I know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yes, but if you ever want to reach out to us directly with your questions, comments, or there's a film that you want us to revisit, you can always email us at AspiringSnubs at gmail.com. Now, that we've given you that recommendation, can you do something for us? Mm. Just one little favor. Whatever podcast service that you're listening to this on, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, could be Spotify, whatever, go ahead, go to the review section, give us five stars, more people will find the show. And then we'll keep doing it, and then we'll, um, you know, keep producing some wonderful content as we just did here. I think we did a, a wonderful job over the last hour. I mean, until um, that cat, sure cat came, came in and group. interrupted it, unfortunately. I know that's right. That's right. Get that cat out of here. I don't. He was doing so well. Mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> it's fine. It's 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 podcasting veritas. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And that only leaves with teasing them with what we're watching next week. I know we just solicited recommendations, but we do have a schedule we'd like to keep. And oh boy, folks, do we have something very special planned for next month. Oh boy. Yes, we do have our movies planned, and we do announce them so you can watch along with us and know what the hell we're talking about, (laughs) because God knows we don't do a good job explaining things. But (laughs) Yes, but next month, obviously, around this time of year, we always like to do uh, uh, Best Picture winners, but also there's uh, something I've been wanting to do programming-wise for a while. I've wanted to dig deeper and explore more into the world of the musical. So next week it's going to be Yes, you're going to have to deal Greg Next month is Musical Month (laughs) And for the next four weeks We're going to be exploring musicals that have either One best picture or uh, been nominated because yes yeah come very close exactly because we're, i think we're gonna do cabaret eventually and even though that was a heavy favorite mm-hmm. to win in 1972 and ended up uh losing out to the godfather which uh, i hear is also pretty good but we'll see <laughs> we'll see how cabaret compares i mean it seems only fair because believe it or not i i, I think people are surprised by this cats got completely snubbed completely shut out i know yeah which <laughs> is insane to me so we obviously need to make up for it by exploring all these these venerable classics yeah, the costume design alone. Mm-hmm. So next week we're going to be starting off with the 1950s baby. We're going to be starting mm-hmm. with an American in Paris. Yes, the Gene Kelly starring American in Paris. We've never done uh, a Gene song? Kelly movie for this podcast, so this will be interesting. Uh, 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 fact check wrong. Eight thousand Pinocchios for you, sir. Because <laughs> oh, we previously did Singing in the Rain. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, that was like like years like years ago. <laughs> yeah, that was like that was the was... fifth episode we ever did. <laughs> Yes, don't go back to that one because that was like yeah. rough. Those were those were rougher times, <laughs> and nobody's talking about. It, the show's pretty much the same, which is dispiriting. I now, think we've got. I think it. we've gotten much better, honestly. Okay, fair enough. No, I think we. I think we're we're much more eloquent than we were back in the day. Now, granted, uh, we're still idiots, uh, but I think I, we're. Yes. I think we're. I mean, well, we we're we're better at hiding it. Yes. Really, <laughs> the bar was so low, we had nowhere to go, Bob. So, yeah, <laughs> nowhere to go, but up, at the top. <laughs> Uh, well, that does it for this week. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time... Musicals, musicals, <laughs> gonna touch your sister in a musical. Break for Hollywood. just a moment, I'll connect you.